You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us again on Sunday morning as we worship and study God's Word and just uh, are able to be a family, the reality Ohana, even if it's digitally. We can be unified in what God is doing in our midst and uh, make sure you're aware of upcoming things. But just first and foremost, I want to welcome you and I want to just uh, thank you for joining us and being present here on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Um, before we get into the Word of God, I want to make sure you're aware of some exciting things upcoming. Obviously, this is the summer of relaunching and kind of breathing life back into a lot of in-person things with the plan to get back in this to end and to get back into in-person Sunday morning gathering August 1st, Sunday, August 1st, 10 a.m. Central Middle School. But in the meantime, what we want to do is, is uh, start, relaunch, breathe life into, concentrate, pour our effort into other things going on as well. One that I'm very excited about that we're breathing new life in, relaunching, restarting is our youth ministry. We've been meeting and praying with uh, a new youth team coming alongside them, uh, praying, planning. Uh, hopefully you got a call or you talked to Desiree, our kids and family minister this week, and kind of got the, the, uh, the information about that. But we're going to kick off kind of this new season of Youth at Reality with a beach barbecue, Alamoana Beach Park, uh, next Saturday, June 5th, about 10 to 2. And uh, all the information is on the website, or you can just text or email Desiree, and she'll know everything. But excited to kind of regather all our middle and high school age uh, kids and um, just pour in and create a new community and uh, kind of relaunch that going forward with the hopes of doing that uh, weekly as well. But over the summer, we're just going to kind of relaunch and breathe new life and uh, restart our youth ministry. So very, very exciting and um, Thank you for bearing with us this last season during COVID, uh, just that we haven't had anything and um, what we're relaunching. And I'm really hopeful and excited for what's to come with middle and high school aged kids at our church. Also, in the month of June, if you did not know, we are doing another four-week equip class, but this will be a midweek study of the book of Jonah. And so we're calling it Jonah in June, four Wednesday nights starting June 9th. All the information is on the website, but this is open to everyone. Bring your kids too. Um, that's okay. Up at uh, the Witty home, the, the, the large home that we kind of do everything out where I'm at right now. That's where we'll be Wednesday night, 7 uh, p.m. going forward for four weeks starting June 9th. We're going to dig into what does the book of Jonah say? Uh, how does it apply to us? And um, it's so much more than a big whale. I'll tell you that. It's so much more. It's rich. It's deep and uh, has a lot to tell about God and humanity and the world we live in and our place in it. And so I uh, encourage you to, to uh, come to that. 
And uh, I, again, keep updated with social media and our email newsletter of other things going on this summer, work project, worship nights, prayer times at Central Middle, moving towards August 1st. And so excited for all things church, uh, really excited to just be in your physical presence and not talking to a camera. I cannot wait to just talk to people in an actual room rather than through a camera lens envisioning that you are behind a screen in your home or whatnot. So very excited about this summer and this fall. But without further ado, we are picking up where we left off in the book of Acts. Um, we are doing a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Acts, the incredible, wonderful book of Acts, if you have not been with us. And we're going to jump right back in to kind of pick up where we left off, where we did last week. And I'm um, going to read about a chapter and a half, kind of in sections, so be great if you had a Bible um, or could pull up a Bible app. I'm reading out of the NIV translation. Um, it's going to be Acts 21, starting in verse 27, where we left off last week, and then we're going to go all the way through the end of chapter 22. Um, but before we do that, I want to just pray over all that God is doing in our midst and for our time in his word that God would speak to us. Why don't you join me? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for what you're doing in our church, in our church, Ohana. Thank you that you are truly, uh, have, and are truly continuing to make us a family, that bear each other's burdens, that come alongside one another, that serve together, that pray for each other. And God, we pray for more of that this summer. As we relaunch, if it's youth ministry and kids' church and Sunday mornings, just pray that, that um, over all the details and all the logistics and all the stuff and the people um, and all the communication, we just give that to you and say, God, have your way. This is your church. It's not ours. We just say, God, we want you to build your church and lead us as you have been. Um, and God, even today, as we sit uh, under your word, I just pray that it would teach us. Holy Spirit, you as the teacher and the counselor would teach us what your word says and what it means and how we ought to apply and live into it. And God, I pray that you would just strengthen us as believers. As we encounter trials and tribulations and persecution, living in the midst of a fallen world as citizens of heaven and all the, the tension and the complications that come in that, I pray that our hearts would um, not be troubled, but they would trust in you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, well, I'm going to start by reading again, like I said, jumping in Acts 27 excuse me, Acts 21, verse 27. And again, this is picking up where we left off last week after Paul's three missionary journeys about, around um, uh, the Middle East and Europe, preaching the gospel and starting churches. He's finally back and he's sharing uh, the testimony of this in Jerusalem. But once again, uh, it's stirring kind of an uproar and uh, there's some opposition and there's some conflict specifically with the Jewish community and how Paul has expanded Jesus, the Messiah, to not only the Jewish world, but the Gentile, non-Jews around the world. And there is incredible tension with that and the implications of the gospel being for all people. And so 
Uh, let's start Acts 21, verse 27. It says this. When the seven days were nearly over, speaking of kind of a last week's text, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. And besides, he has brought, uh, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> they uh, had previously seen Termophis, <laughs> the Ephesian in the city with Paul, and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Verse 30, the whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. They were trying to kill him. News reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran to the crowd. And when the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he has done. Some of the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken to the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great that he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. Okay. <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to read all the way to 40. Sorry. <laughs> A little bit more. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commanders, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. Stop there. Okay, so we're going to stop there. Okay, so this is what's happening. What's, what's happening is Paul's news of the gospel and the gospel being for everyone, not just Jewish people, but for Gentiles, non-Jews also. And the fact that believing in Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, meant that you did not have to also take on all of the traditions of the Jewish religion or of Jewish life. You did not have to even be circumcised and eat the same way and do the same things and follow the same traditions and sacrifice the same way. The way of Jesus was this new way that confronted what they were used to. Because the gospel now was for all people, Jews and non-Jews alike. And so Paul sharing this, him bringing back the report of his missionary journeys to the Jews in Jerusalem, 
And the truth that, that people could be saved and be reconciled to God through Jesus, but did not have to also take on a Jewish identity and Jewish traditions. They could be a part of their own culture, but still follow Jesus was, uh, I would say challenging is a soft word. It was challenging their cultural and religious norms and traditions, especially what it meant for them to be Jewish. You know, what, what, and, and so they wrestled with what, well, what, well, what Jewish traditions are you required to still do to be a follower of Jesus? And the, the truth that Paul was trying to communicate, like, it's okay if you still do that being ethnically Jewish, but others don't also have to do that to be saved. They can just be saved by grace, through faith, through belief. They don't have to take on cultural and religious traditions. You can still do that. That's okay. But others don't also have to do that. And the gospel that he's presenting, the gospel that we know and believe, is that anyone can know the Jewish Messiah Jesus as their own, without becoming Jewish. That there's equality for the Jew and the Gentile alike. And this is so confronting that they don't even want to give him attention. Get him out of here. Like, let's kill him. Like, this is so abhorrent. This is so, like, you're de destroying the Jewish religion. Like, this is so against who we are as a people and what we believe and, and our understanding of salvation. Like this is blasphemous is what more or less they're saying. And so I want to pick the story up as we enter into 22 when they finally do get an audience. Kind of the, the Roman commanders calm the crowd and Paul begins to speak. Acts 22, uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 21. It says this. When they were all silent, Paul said to them in Aramaic, brothers and fathers, like recognizing, no, 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 I'm not a foreigner here. I, I, I'm one of your own. Listen now to my defense. Verse 2. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. They listened up because of the language he was speaking was common to them. This wasn't someone far off. This was one of their own speaking to them now. He's, and then Paul said, I am a Jew. Like recognizing I'm like you. And he gives his kind of credentials here. I, 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 I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, Jerusalem. I studied under Gamaliel. And was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. In other words, I get it. I get your Jewish tradition. I get the law. I get the purpose. I get, I get what's upsetting you here. And he says, I was just as zealous for God as, as any of you are today. I even went so far as I persecuted the followers of this way. The way he's speaking about. The way of Jesus. To their death. 
arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As the high priest and all the council uh, can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. He's recounting his story of salvation from Acts chapter 9. Uh, read here, verse 6. And he recounts it. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, and they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord, I said. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led by the hand into the, uh, led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all the people that you have seen and heard. I just want you to take note of that verse 14 and 15. Paul is doing right now in Jerusalem in Acts 22 exactly what the Spirit of God told him to do at his conversion. Speak to your people, Jews first, then Gentiles. Be my witness of who Jesus is and of the way of Jesus. So good. He, he, going on, verse 16. And now that you are waiting, uh, and, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And then Paul goes on recalling this story. When I returned to Jerusalem... And was praying at the temple. I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. And he said, quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Literally what they are exactly doing right now. They're not accepting Paul's testimony. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing them. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Again, what he's trying to tell them because they're accusing him of being this foreigner with this different outside gospel trying to wreck everything. And Paul is trying to communicate, no, I'm one of you. I'm not trying to threaten or discredit, discredit uh, our own people and Jewish way of life. But rather, I want you to see a new way. It's the way of Jesus. This is the new covenant. Jesus is actually the fulfillment of all you've been waiting for. Paul here is pleading as a Jew, as one of them. 
telling his story. He's telling his testimony to them. He's trying to help them understand that he isn't some, you know, some, some, some person they don't know about with this foreign uh, gospel. It's, no, 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 I am a Jew. I studied under Gamaliel, like the greatest rabbi. Like, I, I was so zealous that I did these things. Like, listen, let your eyes be opened that Jesus Christ, this is the new way and the new covenant for Jews and Gentiles alike. And again, he describes what his mission is and what he's doing at that very moment. But he also tells them, this very thing that's happening right now, God told me what happened. You, my own people, Jews in Jerusalem, would not receive the gospel. And so God called me away to Gentiles, non-Jews, and I'm bringing back a report that they too have been saved and baptized and filled with the Spirit, and they too now are part of God's family. That's what he's saying. He's trying to involve us in the story and give us some understanding here. But again, I, I want to read um, the end of the chapter here because it gets even more heated a bit. Acts 22, picking up where I just left off, verse 22, through the rest of the chapter, verse 30. So the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. The last verse, 21. About the gospel going to Gentiles. It says... <clears throat> Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He is not fit to live. The crowd, <clears throat> as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken to the barracks. He directed that to be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? Verse 26, when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported, what are you going to do? He said, this man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship. And, and Paul replied, I was, but I was, I was born a citizen here. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed that he realized, uh, when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. Verse 30, the commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then they brought Paul and had him stand before them. We're going to continue the text next week kind of as a part two. But here's what I want to say about that last section and some application. So again, they were listening to Paul. They were good with all this. Until Paul said what he said about non-Jews, right? To their horror, Paul's desire, which is God's desire, is for Gentiles to be grafted and included into the family of God. And he was testifying that it was happening. 
And this was so abhorrent that it sent the city into an uproar. The Romans, the occupying authority, tried to deal with this. And they took Paul away and they actually started to beat him or get ready to flog him. But once again, to their surprise, Paul being a Jew, but also a Roman citizen born in, a Roman, in the Roman Empire, Roman colony, they halted everything they were doing because they realized this is our own citizen and, and due to Roman customs, we cannot put him in chains and do this. He is not a foreigner. He is not an outsider. He is from here and this is his people and this is his land. And again, this story and the nuances, the cultural and religious nuances are very specific to Paul here. Right, with the Roman Empire and, 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 and uh, all the, the nuances of being Jewish and Roman and, and what, that, what that means. It's all very specific and kind of us living in our setting is, is very different, right? But here's what is the same. Here's kind of what I want to pull out and apply for us. <clears throat> like Paul... As believers ourselves, we will encounter the same tension of living for God with, with like the perfection of heaven in mind, right? Because we too live for God and we live for heaven and we know what God's design is and what it was, but, but we also live in a fallen world. Great tension arises as we live for God in the midst of brokenness. See, our beliefs, like Paul's, our way of life, like his, and our worldview will be very countercultural and confronting to others around us. And this is what it will produce opposition, persecution. Possibly fractured relationships, criticism, you name it. Right? This was common to the early followers of Jesus. Go ahead and read the Bible, read the New Testament, and the entirety of it is about this new way of life, the way of Jesus, that set of beliefs and what that meant for your worldview and what you lived for and how that was met in society was with great persecution, tension and criticism and, and outcastedness. See, this was very common to the early followers, and in many ways, it will be commonplace for us as well. Again, like I said, the New Testament speaks so much of this. But it starts first with the Gospels with Jesus himself. And in one example, in John 15, Jesus is speaking here and he says this of, of us, of his disciples, of his followers. John 15, 19 through 20, he says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the, wor the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. This is Jesus speaking. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they keep my word, 
they will also keep yours. Again, that's, that's sobering, but it, it's not to be unexpected. It's actually to be expected that the fallen world is going to come in conflict as we live out life for God with heaven in mind. And the things of heaven and the things of God. Right, Jesus would also go on in the Beatitudes. Right, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount there, it starts with the Beatitudes. Jesus speaks to what a believer living for the kingdom of God would experience in the world. And he says this, Matthew 5, part of the Beatitudes. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Again, the New Testament writers would go on to say, from their own experience, um, they would write things like this. This was Paul to Timothy here in his second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 11 through 12. Paul speaking, he says, my persecutions, speaking of literally the book of Acts, right? My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me. And he, and he quotes real cities at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. Which, persecution, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desired to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Again, it goes on, right? Peter speaks of this as well. In 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14, he says, Beloved, Right, family of God, followers of Yeshua. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. This may not be the news we want to hear this morning. This may not be, you know, this uplifting good news this morning. But again, I want us to just have, 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 um, be sober-minded and be, be, be realistic about what we can expect. And again, the reason why conflict and hostility and even persecution is part of the Christian's life is we, like Paul, are living for a heavenly kingdom, but in a temporary earthly home. See, but, uh, what can feel like or how we, uh, what we feel like or how we can be treated perhaps may feel like a foreigner living in our own land. Like, no, we're from here. No, this is our people. But we feel so outcast. We feel like a foreigner in our own land. Exactly how Paul felt. Like, I'm a Jew. I'm a Roman. I'm from here. But I feel like I'm being treated as a foreigner. The same could be true about us. But this is what we have to remember. Remember. 
It's kind of like turn the corner, good news type of thing here. This is what we have to remember. Our primary citizenship is that of heaven. Paul, in his letter to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 3.20, he reminds us our citizenship is that of heaven. And so when we, when we, when we feel uh, like we don't belong or fit in in our earthly ho home due to loving and living for Jesus actually isn't a bad thing. That actually makes sense and it's true to what Jesus said and what can be expected. Because again, remember our life here is just a mist, it's just a vapor. Our true home is that of heaven with, with, with God for all of eternity. But here's what is comforting and encouraging in what seemingly is hard and bad news today. Is that in that same section of the book of John where Jesus is describing what we can expect, right? Conflict and trials and persecution. Is this promise that church we have to hold on to. And it's John 16.33. And this is Jesus himself speaking to us his followers. John 16 verse 33. I have told you these things. So that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Church, as we continue to live for God and Christ and the kingdom of God, we are going to encounter tension and fractured relationships and, and um, persecution and conflict. But church, take heart. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our God has overcome this world. He, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can strengthen us to continue to live for him despite the tension. That we together are the family of God. We're together in this and we're living for eternity in mind. And in the meantime, know that we can trust in our God to receive peace in the midst of turmoil. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. And thank you for the promise that we can take heart in you. We can trust in you to give us peace and strength and understanding as we walk in this fallen world, but live for your kingdom. God, would you strengthen our own lives and hearts and minds to not be discouraged, but to rather be strengthened, to continue to keep you, our focus and your word, the bedrock of our life, that we would not turn to the right or to the left despite the difficulties, but that we would cling to and hang on to you, Christ. Pray in this time of worship that you'd be exalted for who you are and what you've done. We love you, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.